Welcome to Evolve Nutrition Radio, where you learn how to ditch the diet mentality and deconstruct your health and fitness goals into habits you can do for the rest of your life. Hey folks, thanks for tuning in and I want to welcome you all to another episode of Evolve Nutrition Radio. I'm your host, Alex McMahon, and this is episode 11, How Stress is Wrecking Your Health Head to Toe. So in the very last podcast that we had, um, we discussed a lot more about how stress is negatively impacting your capacity to be able to lose fat, but then also how it can impact some of the factors that actually cause you to gain fat through appetite regulation and some different components of that. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and please give it a listen. It will also give you a better understanding of some of the physiology we're going to be discussing today, and it will make it so that it makes a little bit better sense to you. So we're going to be switching gears today and shifting from more of a fat loss focus over to more of a general health. So today, a large part of what we're going to be discussing is, um, you know, the difference between acute and chronic stressors and how we're better adapted to handle one form of those than the other from an evolutionary perspective, but then also just basically how our overall body will adapt to acute and chronic stressors. We're also going to be discussing the anabolic and the catabolic hormones and the anabolic and catabolic components of your metabolism. One is more effective at helping us to build things up and the other one is more meant to help us break things down and how we need to have both of those in a balance to be able to make sure that our health doesn't get disrupted. We're also going to be discussing a few different hormones. So we're going to be talking about testosterone, estrogen, and DHEA and how stress can actually negatively impact those and cause the raw materials for them to actually be stolen. Now, other than that, we're going to be discussing a few other bigger topics when it comes to overall health, such as bone density, your immune system and how that works and how stress can actually suppress the function there. And then also on top of that, we're going to be discussing your mood and cognition and how stress can actually negatively impact certain components of your brain and the structure of your brain that will make certain aspects such as being impulsive and remembering things much more difficult. And then on the very back end of it all, what we're going to be talking about is some basic tips that you can use for managing your stress on a day-to-day basis. Now, I, I just want to share this small antidote. Um, so a little bit earlier today, my laptop actually entirely crashed. The, the majority of today has actually been spent running around. Um, and when, when my hard drive crashed, I also lost this week's podcast. So I recorded it a few days ago. However, I don't edit it. I don't edit my podcast until Tuesday night to make sure that I have it out on Wednesday morning for everybody. So when I started to work today, my laptop died, um, my hard drive crashed. So I spent all day yanking the hard drive out, getting the software put back on it. And so now I'm here at my office at 10 o'clock, maybe almost 11 by now, recording the second iteration of this podcast. And I will have it edited and ready for your eardrums Wednesday morning when you wake up. So um, this, uh, this, this can't become a recurring theme. I can't keep dr- losing these podcasts, but it's something that happened this week. So I thought that I would share that antidote with you. Um, so one thing to discuss is the kind of the godfather of stress physiology, the person who's helped us understand more about stress than any other individual ever has named, uh, was named Hans Selye. And he defined stress, he coined and actually originated the term stress, and he defined it as the nonspecific response of the body to any demand made upon it. 
So homeostasis can be viewed as kind of this equilibrium. It's where your body always wants to keep you. It's a very safe area. And that's our body, um, you know, homeostasis is our body's ability to kind of manage our inner environment and to maintain a state of equilibrium. And stress can be thought of as any disturbance to that equilibrium. So anything that removes us from that kind of safe state, that equilibrium, that homeostasis that our body's always trying to fight for can be viewed as a stressor. So that kind of opens up the door to a lot of different kinds of stressors that people possibly wouldn't have considered previously before hearing a definition like that. Because typically our minds are more concerned with the stress over bills or over arguments or, you know, that person text messaging almost hits us with their car and things like that. But when you look at it and you see that it's anything that removes us from that state of homeostasis, it, it kind of widens up the door for a lot of different definitions of stress. So one important thing to start thinking about when it comes to stress is the difference between acute, which is short and infrequent bouts of stress, and then chronic, which is long and constant sources of stress. Now from the evolutionary lens, we're actually much better adapted to handle acute infrequent bouts of stress because that allows our body much more time to recover to be able to handle and manage another potential stressor. Now, when we have long chronic stress, we actually use up a lot of the resources that are available to our body and it doesn't give us adequate time to be able to recover. So when we look at a lot of the changes, both physically and mentally, that take place when we do have a source of stress in the body, things such as an increased pulse, um, more sugar in our bloodstream to help, uh, to help fuel our stress response, um, an increased pulse, increased blood pressure, um, anger, nervousness, impulsivity, all these different things, we can start to see that those kind of mirror and reflect a lot of the health challenges that we have currently as a society. So if someone is in a constant state of stress, if they're in a chronic long-term stress all the time, the adaptive changes that take place to help us manage a life-threatening stress is just the basic way that some people start to live and that can lead to a very big disruption in their overall health and can actually lead to some big problems that people can typically have. So, you know, something, is something such as having too much sugar in your bloodstream too consistently could lead to insulin resistance, it could make somebody pre-diabetic, it could lead to a more inflammatory state. Now, things such as a higher pulse and higher blood pressure could just lead to higher blood pressure. And then also anger, impulsivity, anxiety, all these different things like that could lead to general mood disorders and then also just basically being impulsive as well. So we can start to see how long-term chronic stress and a lot of the things that we deal with as a society, there's some, there's some dots that can be connected there if you want to look that deep into it and start to see that, you know, maybe the stress that we encounter as a society as a whole can potentially be playing a pretty big role in a lot of the challenges that we face as well. So next up what we're going to be discussing is uh, the difference between anabolism and catabolism, but more specifically the anabolic and catabolic hormones. So anabolism can be thought as anything that helps to build something up that's smaller into something that's bigger in the body. So an example of anabolism would be when you go to the gym and you lift weights, um, you, you actually break those muscles down, so that is a form of catabolism. However, when you come home and you eat and then you go to sleep, the more anabolic phase of that happens. Your body actually rebuilds those muscles with the foods that you ate during your sleep phase with the hormones testosterone. Um, and growth hormone as well. So those are both anabolic hormones that help to build the muscle up bigger. Now, however, before that, there is the catabolism that takes place, the more catabolic breaking down. So when you go to the gym and lift the weights and it breaks your muscles down, that is a more catabolic state. 
Then when you eat food and that food gets broken down in your digestive system into smaller molecules that are be able to, that are used by the body to kind of rebuild your muscles, that is another catabolic state. So the important thing to keep in mind is that we actually require both catabolic and anabolic processes to be taking place inside the body. We need to constantly be in a state of kind of breaking the body down, but also being able to equally build it back up. So we need to maintain that balance of building things up and breaking them down in the body. However, when we're in a state of chronic stress, what happens is we start to shift that over to a much more catabolic state. We start to maintain and start to break things down on a more frequent basis, then we allow the body to build them back up. Part of the reason for that is because a large majority of the hormones that are stress hormones are actually catabolic. They're meant to break things down, they're meant to help us mobilize as much fuel as possible to be able to manage any kind of potential life-threatening stressor that could be taking place when we have a stress response. So we need to think about it in a lot of regards as, um, you know, stress is a much more catabolic process that can start to break things down in the body. It can start to break down your overall health, but then also as we're going to get into in a little bit, that breaking down can actually start to take place in other aspects of our health and of the body where it's not necessarily supposed to be happening. So we want to make sure that we kind of keep that in mind when it comes to thinking about stress. And we, we have a catabolic and an anabolic aspect of our um, physiology, but those two things, neither one is good or bad, but we need to maintain and have them in a balance. So the next thing that we're going to be discussing is the basic hormones, testosterone, estrogen, and DHEA. Now, these hormones are all very important for our overall health. They help us to have better cognition. They help with our libido, our ability to maintain and build muscle mass. Um, also, on top of that, your motivation, your, your ability to sleep, and then also your metabolism are all things that are controlled by these very important hormones. Now, we encounter a big problem when, when we are in a state of chronic stress because your body assumes that if you're in a stressful state, if you're in a really stressful situation, essentially, you are in a potentially life-threatening situation at the moment. There's no other reason that you would have such a large volume of those stress hormones present unless you were in a situation where your life was being threatened. So in that moment, your body makes the executive decision to start allocating all the resources that it needs to to keep up with the production of those stress hormones. Because you have such a large volume of those stress hormones present in your body, you'll have tapped into and used up all the resources that you had previously allocated to producing those stress hormones. So in that moment, your body makes executive decision and it allows your adrenal glands to actually steal the precursors that would become your testosterone, your estrogen, and your DHEA to be able to keep up with and manage the production of stress hormones. So your body's really only concerned with keeping you alive moment to moment. At any moment in time, your body will make a adaptation call that is solely meant to keep you alive. Now a big problem is that we view a lot of the adaptations and a lot of the changes that take place in response to stress as something that is bad. However, your body views it as something that's good. It views it as the, as the better alternative to death. So if it means that it's going to keep you alive, even if that means that it's going to make you overweight and take away your energy and your libido, your body's always going to choose the option that's going to potentially keep you alive. And that's what it's doing here. There's actually a master hormone that we create before it ever gets turned into testosterone, estrogen, or DHEA, and it's named pregnenolone. Now, in these really stressful states, what your body does is your body, instead of converting pregnenolone over into testosterone, estrogen, and DHEA, actually shunts it over into the cortisol pathway. So that 
that pregnenolone that would otherwise become these sex hormones for you actually gets turned into stress hormones instead. Now, in an actual life-threatening stressful situation, that could be of huge use to you. However, on a chronic, constant, everyday path, that's not going to be something that's very conducive to living a happy, healthy, overall life. Alrighty, so moving right along. Next up, we're going to be discussing mood, emotions, and cognitive function. Now, everybody's gotten through a stressful situation and felt entirely worn out, even though they didn't physically exert themselves at all. This could be the example for someone who goes to a job that they dislike and they spend all day stressed out, yet at the very end of the day, even though they didn't do anything physically, they're just completely exhausted. So this exhaustion is actually due to the metabolizing of the stress hormones. It kind of causes a little bit of a tranquilizing effect that's designed to help us relax and actually recover from any kind of stressor so that we can kind of replenish the resources that would that we would need to be able to manage another potential stressor in the future. So an important job for the stress hormone cortisol is to actually make you more impulsive to be able to encourage quick decision making in times of stress and in perceived life or death situations. Now when you're around someone who's stressed out all the time and see them snap at something that is you know, pretty seemingly harmless, this is actually cortisol's impulse response in action. Now imagine someone who's stressed out like that all the time. They'd be extremely irritable in a negative mood and mindset and they would probably also be pretty tired all the time because metabolizing all those stress hormones would have an even larger tranquilizing effect on that person. So when someone's irritable and in a bad mood all the time because of stress, they'll also likely feel extreme fatigue and a lack of energy because of the tranquilizing effects and the metabolizing of such a large volume of the stress hormone cortisol. Now this lack of energy and constant feeling of being down is a slippery slope that can lead someone to a state of depressive thoughts and actions. This constant fight or flight and stressed out state looks extremely similar to what someone who's dealing with anxiety would experience. So the increased pulse, the increased blood pressure, sweating, excessive fidgeting, racing thoughts, nausea, and digestive problems are just a few of the examples and things that people who have extreme anxiety also experience as well. Now, if someone has pre-existing anxiety, there's no doubt that chronic stress will actually make it much worse, and it seems pretty logical that a chronic stress that takes place all day long for somebody could be a pretty significant factor in them developing an anxiety disorder as well. Now, when we take a look back, we start to look at people who do suffer from some depression. They constantly are irritable, but they also feel fatigue on the back end. And these are two of the same things that take place when someone is in a state of chronic stress. They're gonna be a little bit more impulsive. They're gonna be in a worse mood. They're gonna be a little bit more snappy with people, but then they also go through states when they're extremely withdrawn, and then they're also extremely fatigued. So we can see how there's a little bit of connection between these two. I'm not necessarily saying that one causes the other, but I'm saying that it could be a contributing factor to it, and if somebody does have a propensity for it, it could actually make it worse. So next up, what we're going to be discussing is cognitive function. So stress also has another impact on your overall cognitive functioning and how well your brain works on a day-to-day -day basis. The continuous presence of stress hormones can actually alter the structure and function of your nervous system. Stress decreases the function of two significant parts of your brain named the hippocampus and the prefrontal cortex. The hippocampus is responsible for the development and the storing away of our long-term memories, while the prefrontal cortex is what helps us with delaying gratification and staying on course towards long-term goals. It also helps us to pay attention and to solve problems as well. 
So with these parts of our brain negatively impacted by stress and the stress hormones, it should come as no surprise that someone who's chronically stressed all the time would actually have a much harder time recalling things, recalling memories. Also on top of that, they would have a much more difficult time concentrating, solving any kind of problems, and then delaying gratifications. This would relate really well back to impulsivity. So somebody who constantly is stressed out by things would have a much harder time doing something like staying on a diet because staying on a diet and a new nutrition plan would require delaying gratification and impulse control. However, someone who's stressed out all the time would have a much more difficult time with that due to the impulsivity because of a high volume of the stress hormone cortisol, which is designed to actually make people much more impulsive. So next up, we'll be discussing bone health. So believe it or not, your bones are actually in a constant state of breaking down and remodeling. So there's several different types of cells that actually help to develop new bones and to break down the old unhealthy bones. The bone builders are actually named osteoblasts and the bone deconstructors are named osteoclasts. The rate at which your bones are built up and broken down depends on multiple health factors including nutrition, exercise, sleep, and surprise surprise, stress management. So we all know that in bones, a significant amount of them are made out of calcium, but there's also a protein matrix inside of our bones that help to keep them together while giving them a certain amount of flexibility and strength as well. Now the main protein that's found in these bones is named collagen, and that collagen is also a main constituent of our ligaments and tendons that act as a specific support structure for our overall skeletal system. This collagen bone matrix is combined with calcium, magnesium, and phosphate to help create a very strong yet flexible bone. Now the protein matrix that has a large majority of it coming from collagen is actually comprised and composed of two really important amino acids called glycine and proline. Now while collagen is found in bones, it's also a huge component in the ligaments and tendons as well that make a large majority of the support structure for our skeletal system. So we require collagen to have healthy joints, healthy ligaments, and connective tissue in the body. However, just as we had mentioned before with testosterone and DHEA and estrogen, the body will always prioritize the stress response above all else because stress is perceived as a true life or death situation. We discussed a little bit earlier in the podcast, and that means that it causes the breakdown of bigger, uh, bigger cells and tissues into smaller cells and tissues. So Cortisol does, the stress hormone cortisol is catabolic, meaning that it causes the breakdown of tissues and cells in the body to support the stress response. With stress prioritized over collagen, that collagen will actually be sacrificed and broken down into amino acids to produce glucose, also known as blood sugar, through a process named gluconeogenesis that will help to give the body the sugar that it actually needs to manage a stress response. So excessively elevated cortisol increases collagen breakdown, but then also it inhibits the rebuilding and formation of bone, leading to actual reduced bone density. So it attacks your bone in two different ways. So number one, it will steal the protein source from your bone, your ligaments, and your tendons when cortisol is high. And then on the flip side of it, it also prevents your body from rebuilding bone in an efficient manner, so the actual bone density will suffer as well. So as long as chronic stress is present, the actual collagen and bone rebuilding won't happen in the volume needed to be able to repair the bones, the connective tissue, or any of the ligaments. So next up, we're going to be discussing the immune system and immune health. 
The immune system is a complex system of cells, organs, and tissues that protect the body from bacteria, viruses, and microorganisms that try to invade and cause sickness and disease in the body. So as much as 80% of our total immune system actually resides in our digestive tract, which makes sense when you realize that most of the bacteria and viruses and pathogens that enter into our body usually come in through our mouth. However, with a, with a well-functioning digestive system, your stomach is so acidic that any kind of pathogen or bacteria or foreign invader that would come in through your mouth and be delivered down to your stomach would be killed by the highly acidic hydrochloric acid that would be in there. So if somebody has a worse digestive system and they don't have enough hydrochloric acid, they're going to be a lot more susceptible to some of those sicknesses and pathogens that could come in through the digestive tract. So there's long been a connection between stress and actual weakened immune system. So stress, but not stress alone, the, the hormone cortisol actually has a pretty significant immunosuppressive effect. So that means it actually suppresses the function of your immune system. So this means that your immune system is actually instructed to lower the defenses while cortisol runs its course in the body and helps to deal with potential stressors. So in the short term, bouts of suppressed immune function don't present a huge problem. But when you have constantly elevated levels of cortisol, this can become a pretty significant problem. Constantly elevated levels of cortisol would be constantly suppressing the immune system to the point of leaving you much more susceptible to sickness and disease. So our immune system is our number two line of defense behind our skin when it comes to keeping foreign invaders out of our body. So with this significant line of defense reduced, your ability to fight off infections and bacteria would leave you much more likely to get sick and to get some forms of disease. So stress can actually, over the long term, make it much more difficult for you to lose fat. It can negatively impact a lot of the hormones inside your body and then also a couple of the glands, so the adrenal glands and then also your thyroid gland as well. Stress can have a negative impact on your mood, emotions, and your cognitive function. And then also on top of that, it can break down and reduce bone density and cause an extremely suppressed immune system. So when we look at stress, more vanity aspects of our health like fat loss or our metabolism, it can impact our bone density, our immune system, and our mental, which are all such significant factors when it comes to being happy, healthy human beings. So I'm not just going to leave you hanging though. What we're going to be going over next is going to be the steps that you can take on a day-to-day -day basis to help you to manage stress. So what we're going to talk about very first are some of the ways that you can actually help to reduce the amount of avoidable stress you have in your life. So there's a certain amount of stress that is actually avoidable, and we're going to be going over some basic ways that you can actually mitigate that. So number one would be to avoid people who stress you out. So that means anybody who you don't get along with, anybody that you have disagreements with, just avoid people who generally don't lift you up and don't have a positive mindset. Another one would be to not engage in pointless arguments. So even if you win an argument with somebody, but you both walk away in a worse mood or you both walk away kind of feeling pissed off, nobody ever really wins. Let's be honest. When was the last time that you were in an argument with anybody and either one of the, either you or the other person actually convinced each other of anything? It very rarely happens and it actually ends up just being a waste of both your time. So make a to-do list of three to five important tasks to do for the following day. So what this does is it essentially gives you a plan to work off. Most people work much more efficiently on a day-to-day -day basis if they have a plan to be able to work off of. So if you have a list of three to five things you have to get done the following day, it's gonna leave a lot less room to kind of mess around and to let you know deadlines creep up and things like that that can cause a lot more stress. So making a to-do list will let you know exactly what you're gonna be getting done the next day. So another really important one that I don't see enough people doing is to learn to say no. 
be aware of your limits and what you can handle and don't take on more than you can handle. So if you don't feel like going out to dinner with some people, tell them no. The next thing would be to take responsibility for situations. Realize that you can't really change the past and dwelling on those events keep you from actually living in the present and enjoying yourself currently. So this is one that I have taken on that I think is really, really important is when you take responsibility for any situation that you're in, you remove the capacity of the situation to actually stress you out. And it feels really empowering to feel like you played a role in everything that's going on in your life and that you're not just a victim. So the above ways are some things that you can do to avoid certain sources of stress, but there are certain kinds of stress in our life that are just unavoidable. And so the following techniques that we're going to be covering are going to be the ways that you can actually kind of broadly reduce stress for some of the more unavoidable aspects of it. So the very first one isn't going to surprise anybody and it's probably something you've heard me talk about before, and that's going to be meditation. So there's two apps that I recommend really highly to everybody, and that is the Headspace app and Calm. So Calm is more nature sounds and Headspace is more a guided meditation app. So they're both awesome. I use both of them. Um, right now I'm using Calm, but I'm actually in the process of switching back to Headspace. So the next thing would be to write down three things in the morning that you're grateful for. So this is actually something that I do every single morning. When I come into my office, before I start any of my work, I actually write down three things I'm grateful for and then three people I'm grateful for. And keep in mind that these don't have to be huge earth-shattering things. These could be things like having hot coffee. It could be a dinner that you had with someone or a smile that you got from a stranger. They don't have to be big things, but what they do give you is they give you fuel to appreciate the smaller things in your life to realize how big they actually are. The next thing would be to change how you frame any situation. If you change how you view a situation, you significantly reduce and take away the ability of any situation to really stress you out. So when you change how you view things in your mind, then you can actually start to reframe how you view them and spin them in a more positive light. Also, another thing would be to view every experience that you have as something that you can learn from. Now, not all situations are going to be roses and lollipops. There's no way of getting around that. But you can always find something that you can learn from each and every situation, and you can always view it as an opportunity to expand and to make better future decisions. That is absolutely something that's positive that can be taken away from just about any situation that you have. Now, another big one would be to engage in play. So go play catch with a baseball or a football or go, you know, shoot some hoops at a local park. Take a break from being take a break from being so serious and do something for yourself that you have no attachment to the outcome of. So another big thing would be to schedule social events with people you love or to try yoga class. So these are both huge ones. They're pretty simple and self-explanatory, so I'm not going to go into them too deeply. Another one would be to take a 20-minute walk. So get out into nature if possible or go for a walk in a park. They've done multiple studies that have proven that being out in nature actually helps to reduce cortisol in the body. So if you can get out in nature for that 20-minute walk, it's even going to be better. So kind of along the lines of meditating would also be practicing deep breathing. So you could close your eyes and focus on the breath coming in and out of your body. Start with something simple like 20 breaths and do it once or twice a day. And that's a good way to kind of work your way up to meditation as well. Another thing that you could do is to develop a morning routine. Their morning feels rushed and it feels a little haphazard. However, if you wake up and you have a plan and you know that there's some things you're going to be doing that you enjoy, it's going to make your whole morning go much more smooth and it's actually going to make your whole day start off much better. So the last two things would be to engage in a daily review to write down a few things that you're really happy with and a few things that you want to work on throughout the day. And then the last thing would be to laugh more. So this could be watching a funny movie, going to see stand-up comedy. An even better way to do this would be to round up some friends and to go see local stand-up comedy in your town. You get to spend a fun night with people you care about, and then also on top of that, you get to 
get in some cheap laughs as well. So I absolutely love to go see local stand-up here in Portland. So as always, I greatly appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to Evolve Nutrition Radio. This was a really tough one for me to get through because uh, I'm up pretty late right now uh, finishing it and then also have to edit it as well. So I really, really appreciate any and everybody who's ever reached out to me and told me how much you enjoy the podcast. Um, I, I pretty much put these out for you guys. It's, it's another way for me to connect and to deliver information to people who I feel I could benefit from it. So um, whenever you guys reach out to me and let me know that you like the podcast or leave a review, it, it means the absolute world to me. So I just want to say thank you to everybody who's listening in. Um, if you would enjoy and if you would like to leave a five-star review on iTunes or on Stitcher or anything like that, it would mean the absolute world to me. You know, I do put a lot of effort into these, um, but if, if you feel like you enjoy it and you would like to do that, I would absolutely love to read the review. Every single one of those means, means a ton to me. Um, if you'd like to connect with me on social media, you can find me on Instagram at Evolve Nutritional Therapy. You can find me on both Snapchat and Twitter at EvolveNTPDX. You can find me on Facebook at Evolve Nutritional Therapy LLC, or you can email me directly at EvolveNTPDX at gmail.com. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to listen in, and I will talk to you next week.